Yep, fit for a king. The, the laces and everything, but this type of behavior is not. When you're you're the face of the NBA, I, I think you should be more a part of your team, folks. No matter what is going on on the on the in, in the public, you got to be a part of the team. Maybe in the locker room you're not, but you have to exude that type of togetherness in public, folks. And right now we see he doesn't really care. Day and welcome to the Daily Ding, mates. Happy Monday morning. We've got your NBA action, action covered from the weekend. I'm Zach Harper in Australia, joined by Black Trey and Nitz, who are not in Australia, with Rob Lopez tossing the old boomerang around. Coming up on today's Daily Ding, guards are dropping like flies. It looks like Zach Levine finally respects his coach, and Mario Hazonia is the LeBron stopper we've all been waiting for. But first, sign us up for seven games of Sixers Bucks. That's the game of Sunday. Sixers 130, Bucks 125 in Milwaukee. This game had everything in it except for Malcolm Brogdon, which we will talk about later. 84 combined fourth quarter points from these two Titans of the East. One of the more fun sequences of the season happened late in this game between Giannis Antetokounmpo and Ben Simmons. Giannis manhandled Simmons in the post, dunked on him, and then screamed that Simmons was a baby, a bleeping baby. Next play, Ben Simmons tip dunks over Giannis and screams right in his face. This is exactly the kind of emotion we want to see. Giannis finished with a ridiculous career high, 52 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists. Bucks were plus 12 when Giannis was on the floor in this game, and they lose by 5. Joel Embiid reminded everybody what a healthy Joel Embiid looks like. 40 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. Hit a big 3 late in the game. 4 of 13 from deep in this game. Uh, Jimmy Butler finished with 27.6 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals. Ben Simmons, 8 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, Trey, in terms of what this game brought to the table, if we got this in either the second round or the conference finals, I don't think anybody would be upset about this. No, not really. I mean, it was a fun game, but honestly, the stats kind of lie. Like, I mean, the Bucks were never in control this whole game. They trailed, really. You know what I mean? Like, and it got it got close to a point. And yes, Giannis, you know, had the most points out of the out of out of the game, but Joel was just dominant in and outside. And it was plenty of times that they had uh, lapses on the outside and just leaving him wide open, letting him shoot. And then the times when he wanted to go to the rack, he did he did what he wanted to do. So, um. I don't like the Bucks' chances in the postseason sometimes because, I mean, I still think that, yes, they're a very successful regular season team. They still have some playoff woes to see, you know what I mean, especially with Boston and, and the Torontos and, yeah. you know, these other Absolutely. teams that are that are that that have real experience and, and, and can do their thing. And I, I'm still questionable about what Giannis can do. I still think he's our regular season MVP. But as far as postseason, I don't think that's going to cut it. Yeah, in terms of what Trey's talking about, Nitz, Chris Middleton, the other all-star for the Bucks, was pretty bad in this game. Brooke Lopez was not the Brooke Lopez we've seen most of the season, probably because he had to deal with Joel Embiid. Like, these are the concerns that everyone has for the Bucks when the playoffs come, and this is kind of what you hope to see out of out of the Sixers when the playoffs come, because Tobias Harris, you know, had a mild game. He only had uh, 12 points. J.J. Redick had a good, good game with 19 points, but they didn't have anything from the bench. It was just the strength of the starting five was so much stronger than what the Bucks were able to put out there. Yeah, I mean, you kind of said it, and I don't think my concern is Giannis in the postseason seeing what he could do. I mean, you saw him tonight. He finished with 52 points. That's pretty. That's a ridiculous line. Um, I'm more concerned with whether or not the guys around him can show up, and losing Brogdon is a big hit for them because that's a guy that can give you those reliable 15 points a night, and now all of a sudden you have Meritich starting for him, and he went 1-7 from the field, 0-6 from three. I don't think that he's going to do that 
consistently. Like the Bucks really just couldn't hit a three tonight, which is not their MO. Uh, so I wouldn't take too much away from the way that these guys looked because Chris Middleton is pretty consistent. He just didn't show up tonight. Brooke Lopez, again, didn't look like Brooke Lopez. Nobody really looked like themselves other than Giannis. Um, what I want to ask you guys, though, is because I kind of saw this take floating around, is the way to beat the Bucks is to let Giannis go for that 40-plus, 50-plus, and then a lot of the guys aren't getting touches, and all of a sudden they're shooting like 20% from the three. Do you guys yeah. feel like that's a good way to defend these guys? Yeah, I mean, Trey, I don't know about you, but that's how I would defend it. Like, if Giannis drops 40, 50 points on me every game in the playoffs, I'd allow that as long as you're taking away the three-point line from everybody else. And, yeah, it's going to look a little foolish for some of your defenders at times, but it takes out what the Bucks do best, which is sharing the ball and moving around the perimeter. I mean, this year is kind of interesting because they have been sharing the ball, but in playoff situations, Giannis tends to go into the one-on-one situation and it tends to not get everybody involved. And that's why I think that keeps him away from being that, that dominating force. Um, I think he's still one dimensional on the offensive end. So um, yeah, I mean, I I like it, but realistically sometimes it doesn't pan out that way. I mean, I think that, you know, he'll able, he'll be able to create, he still doesn't know how to avoid charges. So um, I think times in the playoffs, he's going to get frustrated and, and they're going to be able to box things in. So um, it should be interesting, whoever they yeah, match that, up with. Yeah, absolutely. The lack of Brogdon in this one, again, we'll get to that in a second, that injury, but the lack of Brogdon, you know, they did start Nico Miritich. I think personally, Trey, that that was just out of a matchup thing with the Sixers. I don't know that I would go to that matchup or that that starting lineup if they do face in the in the postseason, but do you think the answer is just, all right, George Hill plugs in and you hope he's good again? Um, not necessarily. I mean, like, again, I, I still don't think Brogdon is a savior. I think he's good. He's a good plus, you know what I mean? A plus, plus minus guy as far as coming in and giving valuable minutes. And he's a vet guy that has been giving, you know, that, that knows the culture and what needs to be in place and doesn't really slack off too much, yeah. but it's going to be a team effort. Like the lack of playoff experience. I mean, like, you know, we give so much credit to Bledsoe and these guys. Like I said, they've been rolling all year and they've made, you know, some good acquisitions. But that still doesn't mean anything when Boston has their number. Whenever they match with Boston, they wet the bed. And yeah. that's going to be their biggest test. Now, David West made a comment earlier on this week saying that the Warriors may be afraid of Milwaukee because they have non-flashy guys and hardhead guys that – that, that really know how to play the game. So that should be interesting if they do happen to make it to play basketball in June. Uh, Nitz, in terms of the Sixers, they just lit up the best defense in the league. Like this 130 points on this defense is no joke. And I think that shows just maybe why everyone's kind of been waiting to see what they look like in the postseason. Totally. And I mean, you have Embiid with a 40 point line, but he also didn't shoot particularly well. So the fact that they made it to 130 points was a little bit surprising to me. I mean, he shot four 13 from deep. You're taking 13 shots uh, and you're not really making many of them, but then you got Jimmy Butler in that fourth, just looking absolutely incredible. You know, that's what they brought Butler on to do is to close those games out. So it's, it's nothing surprising. The offensive power of the Sixers is just ridiculous. When you look across the board of their starting lineup. All right, everybody, you know what to do with FanDuel. You go to FanDuel.com slash B2B and you sign up so you can join the back-to-back Wednesday challenge Win the Wednesday challenge. You get to join us on the Friday mailbag, ask questions, answer questions, be a part of the show. And to do that again, fanduel.com slash B2B, sign up for an account, put five bucks in your account. Fanduel's going to match that $5 with a bonus. They put it in. Now you got $10 to play with B2B listeners every single Wednesday. So fanduel.com slash B2B, join us on the mailbag. 
Guys, let's get to the news from the weekend that you need to know for this coming week. It's a lot of sad, depressing injury news. We're going to start off with CJ McCollum. He escaped a serious injury to his knee, so that's good news, but still he is injured, suffered the knee strain in the loss to San Antonio over the weekend. Originally, it looked much worse, but he'll be reexamined in a week and could be bo- could be back shortly after this one. Uh, it affects the race for the three seed, affects the Blazers' positioning battles in the in the Western Conference playoffs, but ultimately they should be okay. Uh, Trey, I'm assuming you were relieved, just like the rest of us, to find out McCollum wasn't that hurt uh, or wasn't hurt as it badly looked uh, initially, but what do you think this does for the Blazers. Do you think they can get into a rhythm before the playoffs come? Yeah. I mean, you know, Dame's going to do what Dame does. And as far as the leader of this team and he's going to get his shots, he's just going to raise his play as far as offensively. And, um, you know, he's a bad boy. And then also they got, they got filler guys. I mean, not saying that, you know, that CJ isn't needed in this situation. He's drastically needed for this offense, but I think that him, Dame and nurture should be able to step up and do what they do. Um, in the meantime, CJ will be able to get healthy and then fine tune and polish up the game. And, and he's, he's pretty, pretty good at far as staying in the mix of, of things that he needs to, you know, be able to plug in. So I don't think he'll be a huge drop off. Um, just hopefully that he'll be ready for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, another injury in the Northwest division, Dante Exum is out indefinitely. He just can't catch a break. He has a partially torn patella in his right knee. Um, we don't know when he's going to come back, but I would assume it's safe to say that he is done for the year and done for the playoffs over the last four seasons. He missed the entire 82 game season with the torn ACL in 2015, 2016. He mixed, he missed uh, 16 games the year after he missed 68 games last season, and he's going to miss 40 games this season. So hopefully eventually he can come back, get healthy and stay healthy moving forward. Other injury from the weekend. Malcolm Brogdon won't be back until the playoffs. As we mentioned earlier in the Sixers Bucks game, he's out expected to miss six to eight weeks with a minor plantar fascia tear in his right foot. Even if it's just six weeks nits, it means he'll be out until the playoffs. So it's George Hill time. And, uh, and they're losing a lot with Brogdon because of how good of a shooter he is. Yeah. And it also just kind of hurts the fact the chemistry that they've built this entire season. You want to go in strong into the playoffs and the starting lineup that they had today is actually they're faring pretty, pretty well. They're like 110 offensively with like a ridiculous 60.9 defensive rating, but they've only played 28 minutes. So even if you do keep Meritech slotted for him, it, you haven't really played a lot. And now we're, you know, we're going into May and hopefully I, you can assume that the bucks are going to make it into the second round and reintegrate Brogdon back in, but it doesn't really help them with all the chemistry that they've built up to this point. Yeah, it's it's going to be someone something where someone has to step up, and maybe in the in the hopes of one Bomani Jones, it's it's White Dante Dante DiVincenzo comes in <laughs> and steps up. Uh, Russell Westbrook will be suspended or is suspended after picking up his 16th technical foul of the season. The Rashid Wallace rule is in effect: 16 techs, and you are suspended the next game. Uh, Thunder play the Heat on Monday, so that's a big suspension that helps out the Miami Heat in their quest for the eight seed in the East. Patrick Beverly and Draymond Green both have 14, so they're two away from that suspension retroactively free Rashid Wallace. That's what I would say. And then final news from the weekend, Zach Levine has offered to pay Jim Boylan's fine uh, per Maliga Andrews from ESPN hours after bulls coach, Jim Boylan was ejected for arguing with the Clippers coach doc rivers on Friday night, which was a hilarious interaction. Zach Levine contacted Chicago's front office offered to pay Boylan's fines, which uh, cost $7,000. Uh, the league rules stipulate that the person who has issued the fine must be the person to pay for it, potentially complicating Levine's offer. Uh, this is a good sign for them, Trey, because Levine and Boylan hadn't exactly seen eye to eye, and it looks like Jim Boylan will not allow Zach Levine to pay this anyway. I owe Boylan an apology. Um, 
he has won me over as far as how passionate he is about his team. And these guys tend to like now be about him, um, which is a great sign moving forward. And he's building the right culture in that direction of what Chicago needs. So um, after we hit the draft and see what we can get out of there, I think pretty much that um, – I said we like I'm actually suiting up, but (laughs) (laughs) but technically, you know, I mean, like we're moving in the right direction as far as what what the Bulls need to do and finishing out this year. And um, that's 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 beautiful to see that Zach, you know, is is having his coach back, especially that weird exchange between Doc Rivers and Boylan. You know, Boylan Boylan's ready. He'll run through a wall for his guys. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Nitz, if I got a speeding ticket, would you pay that fine for me? Dude, I want to say no just for the jokes, but yes, maybe. If you like couldn't, if you couldn't afford it, Zach, I'd I'd hook you up. I would not. Sorry. <laughs> just not gonna just keep it real. May eighteenth, Chicago, Lincoln Hall. You don't want to miss it. We had a great live show in Boston. Before that, we had a great live show in L.A. Before that, we had a great live show in New York. I'm assuming we're going to have a great live show in Chicago. You can go to countthedings.com. You go to any of our social feeds. Find a ticket link on there. Buy tickets. Don't miss out again. If you've missed out on a live show, if you live in the Midwest, you've been wondering, hey, are you guys going to come into my area so that I can go see a live show? This is your chance. So you don't want to miss it. We're going to have great guests. We're going to have great panels. We're going to have a great time. Let's get to the other games from Sunday. Knicks 124, Lakers 123 at Madison Square Garden. Oh, LeBron. Mario Hazonia is the new LeBron stopper. He slayed the king uh, as LeBron tried a leaning game-winning attempt from the left side of the floor, which looked nothing like that one he hit, that runner he hit against the Raptors in the playoffs. Mario Hazonia just reached up and stuffed the ball. Uh, Knicks walk away with the win in that one. Emmanuel Moutier Reclamation Project continues. 28 points, 8 assists, 8 of 11 shooting, 9 of 10 from the free throw line. Damian Dotson had 25 points for the Knicks. DeAndre Jordan had 15 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists. Kevin Knox had 19 points. Hazonia, aside from that one block, had 17 points. LeBron, 33 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. Uh, but he got torched. The Lakers were up 11 with less than four minutes to play. And it seemed like every bucket the Knicks got in the final couple of minutes was LeBron's man cutting against him or LeBron not rotating or whatever. And so maybe this tank job by the Lakers is in full effect. Kyle Kuzma at 18 points, eight assists, seven different Lakers in double figures. The Lakers are now nine games back with 12 games to play. Uh, Trey, this, this cannot be the way the season ends for LeBron James, right? I know we've had plenty of jokes and everything. You can't get, can't get blocked by Mario Hazonia on a game winner. Um, I got a chance to watch that game, and honestly, he just kind of timed it wrong, and that was great timing by Mario, you know what I mean, to read it, because LeBron normally gets that. He kind of baits the guy to, like, move first, and, you know, Mario was really patient about it and and was in the right space to, you know, catch him off guard. Because LeBron, I don't know why he's kind of favored into that lazy fadeaway. Um, Sometimes he gets it, sometimes he doesn't. He has some good looks today overall. Um, Just moving forward, but it was super weird to see Damian Dotson get this so, so much green light today. Um, it was at a point where he missed eight straight and then they kept going to him. Um, but it was actually effective. The guards were very aggressive and uh, taking advantage of Caruso on defense as well as LeBron James on some reads. Um, but it was, it was a weird game because, you know, especially with these two story franchises and what direction they're trying to go in, you would think that, you know, obviously people are challenging LeBron's uh, passion or if he even cares. And I think he really does care. Um, and he doesn't actually want to, you know, blow games. But for the Knicks to actually win this game, it was kind of like 
it was a big win for the franchise, but also aren't they trying to lose? So yeah, right. Kind of, kind of strange. Two tanks hitting each other. Yeah, it was. It was strange, man. Like the ball ended up going out of bounds, and no one had a winner or something like that. That that was the kind of situation that fell in. Um, But I like the direction and growth in in both teams and their players. You know, I mean, Reggie Bullock shot the ball well. Um, Kyle Kuzma's beginning to you know distribute the ball well as well. Um, And then you know, like the Knicks are building some type of team camaraderie. So I I don't know if it would be kind of interesting if neither of these teams end up with Zion. Uh, Nitz, the jokes in this one, just too good at the end, right? Man, listen, what? Because last season you had LeBron coming in with the Cavs and I was there for the game where he was kind of shoving Frankie back and forth and fighting with Cantor about like, he is the king of New York. Your team just got swept by the Knicks in the regular season. That's it. You didn't win one game against the Knicks. I honestly also like turned the game off when they were up. I'm like, okay, cool. Like Lakers are going to win this one, whatever. And then I come back and not only do the Knicks win, it's off of a LeBron missed game winner, not missed, like blocked winner by Hazonia. And then you see that picture of him, like really so funny. I mean, it's funny because like, you know, I'm not a Laker fan, but it's also like kind of sad. You said it yourself. Like this is really how the season is ending. I thought that we couldn't hit another low point. But like Hazonia, I don't think it was from that moment, but the picture of Hazonia kind of pointing and laughing at Braun while Braun is kneeling down, just looking so disappointed in what's going on. I'm like, man, this yeah. is really how it's ending for just yeah. the season, not next season. I think that we're not going to see that continue into next year, but it's just like, it's, it's beyond comedy at this point. It's a little sad. Uh, speaking of sad heat 93 Hornets 75 in Miami, a midday game after a night in South beach Hornets scored 75 points and shot 31% from the field. I'm sure their worst shooting performance of the season was just a coincidence. Goran Dragic, 19 points, Dwayne Wade, 17 points. Both of those came off the bench. Bam out of bio in another start, 16 points, nine rebounds. Josh Richardson had a horrible game, seven points on two of 17 shooting. Oh, of nine from three point range. Campbell Walker, 10 points on four of 16 shooting. Jeremy lamb had the best game of any Hornet 21 points on 20 shots. He remain a game ahead of Orlando for the eight seed. They're two up in the last column. Hornets are two games back of Miami. Now Pistons 110, Raptors 107 in Detroit, big bounce back game. Once again, for the Pistons following that win over the Lakers, which followed two horrific games against Miami and Brooklyn. Blake Griffin led the way 25 points, eight rebounds, three assists. Andre Drummond with 15 and 17. Reggie Jackson had 20 points on 10 shots. Pistons lived at the free throw line in the fourth quarter, went to the free throw line 13 times. Raptors just 14 times in the entire game. No Kyle Lowry for the Raptors in this one. Jeremy Lin got the start. Kawhi Leonard, 33 points, 10 rebounds. Marcus Gasol had eight points, 11 rebounds, nine assists. Fred Van Vliet, 17 points off the bench. One and a half games ahead of the Nets for the sixth seed. Detroit looks like they might just uh, get that sixth seed after all. Magic 101, Hawks 91 in Orlando. Once again, a big defensive effort for the Magic, which they needed because they had another horrific offensive showing. Held the Hawks to 41% from the field, 22% from deep. Nikola Vucevic led the way, 27 points, 20 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals. Aaron Gordon might finally be out of that little mini slump he had. He had 22 points on 9 of 16 shooting, 8 rebounds to go with that. Terrence Ross had another ineffective game off the bench. He's been rough as of late. He had just 6 points on 8 shots. Trey Young, 20.6 rebounds, 5 assists, but didn't get much help. Dwayne Dedman had 10 points and 14 rebounds. John Collins, 10.7 rebounds before fouling out in just 20 minutes. Again, the magic are a game behind the heat for the eight seed. Uh, Kings 129, Bulls 102 in Sacramento. This game was never close after the first quarter. Marvin Bagley's 
third game back from injury. He's still phenomenal. 21 points, nine rebounds, nine of 14 off the bench. Harry Giles had 16 points, six rebounds, three assists, three blocks off the bench, 17 points for Darren Fox, 16 points for Buddy Heald, 15 points for Harrison Barnes. Zach Levine led the bulls with 18 points on 18 shots, five bulls and double figures, but no, nobody really mattered in this one. Speaking of not mattering wolves lose again. Rockets 117, wolves 102 in Houston. Rockets took over this game in the third quarter. Wolves never stood a chance in the second half. A one point deficit for the wolves at halftime became a 15 point deficit heading into the fourth quarter. Chris Paul t- took over in the third quarter, controlled the game. CP three had 15 points, three assists in the third quarter alone going four or five from deep finished with 25 points, 10 assists, seven rebounds, and just one turnover in 29 minutes. James Harden was uh, pretty bad from the field, 20 points and 10 assists, but needed eight of 24 from the field and four of 12 from deep to get those 20 points. Clint Capella, another monster game against the Wolves scoring 20 points, grabbing 13 rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns, 22 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, but struggled from the field, eight of 22 shooting. Josh Okogie with another good game against James Harden scoring 19 points. Rockets are three games behind the Nuggets for the two seed. And then Clippers 119, Nets 116 in Los Angeles, a crazy finish to this game. Clippers were up 10 with a little over a minute to go. Nets go on a 10-0 run, and then Lou Williams gets the handoff from Danilo Gallinari, hits the game-winning three. Clippers bring it in. Five seconds to go. Tie game. Seat belts are fastened. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo! Oh, my goodness. Uh, another huge game off the bench duo for the Clippers. Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. Lou Williams goes 25 points on 8 of 16 shooting, plus the winner. Montrezl Harrell had 20 points, 10 rebounds, 3 blocks. Danilo Gallinari, fantastic in this one. 20 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. Most of the damage happened in the first three quarters. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander had 14 points, 10 assists. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, 32 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. Helped uh, bring them back. Spencer Dinwiddie, a tough one. 2 of 16 from the field in this one for 13 points off the bench. Uh, Nets in terms of the game winner, uh, I felt bad for the Nets, legitimately bad for the Nets because they worked so hard to come back and Lou just kills them. Yeah, they also gave up a 19 point lead though. So I don't feel as bad. They definitely didn't deserve to win this one. But yeah, they had a 10 0 run to kill a 10 point deficit in the final minute of the game. That's pretty ridiculous. Um, and then all of a sudden, Lou Will pulls up from the logo and just, it was just that. I mean, that's ridiculous. And Lou Will is also pretty quiet for the majority of the game. I know that he finished with 25 points. I'm pretty sure that 11 of those was just in the fourth. So, you know, Lou will did what Lou will did. I don't think the nets deserved to win this one just based off of giving that ridiculous lead, um, in like going into like the second or going into the half. I can't even remember at this point, but that being said, it's really disappointing, right? You have a 19 point lead. You have a ridiculous, a ridiculously tough schedule coming up and you are fighting for that playoff spot. You haven't clinched it yet. So you're giving up games to the Clippers where you have a ridiculous lead on them. And then you're just giving that up. I think that it sucks that Dinwiddie couldn't show up tonight, even just with like a little bit more from him, they could have won this game, but Clippers deserve this one. They were just incredible. And you know, all their guys showed up tonight. All right, let's go to lines of the weekend. Uh, Bradley Beal had two 40 point games, one in a loss to Charlotte, one in a win over Memphis. Giannis, Line today, 52 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists. Of course, Joel Embiid had 40, 15, 6, and 3. Uh, Vucevic had 27 points, 20 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals. Julius Randle had 45 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, or 3 blocks, 2 steals. Devin Booker had a 40 and 13 game and a win over the Pelicans. Trey, who gets your line of the weekend? Uh, I'm going to have to go with winners, and the winners is uh, Joel Embiid. So that's who I'm rolling with. Uh, Nitz, who gets your line of the weekend? 
the Knicks do for sweeping the Lakers wow. in the regular season series, for real. Um, and also, I've never given it to a loss, but I'm going to have to. Just Giannis was insane. Uh, really unfortunate that they lost that game, but I'm going to give it to Giannis with his uh, career high, I think, 52 yeah, points. Yeah, I- I got to go. I got to go Joel Embiid too. like as good as Giannis was in this one. He got a ton of points late as they were trying to stage a comeback. Joel Embiid just, uh, he controlled the game and just shut them down way too often. He gets my line of the weekend. We've got games to watch for Monday night, which is weird for me because in Australia, it's already almost over with Monday. I don't understand time zones. So Nitz, who is your game to watch for Monday? Pacers Blazers, um, especially with the Blazers, not having CJ McCollum out, uh, you know, playing for them right now. I think it's going to be just a fun matchup. And then again, it's these guys that are playing for a better playoff positioning. So it should just be a good game. Uh, Trey, who gets your, uh, who gets your game to watch on Monday night? Uh, I'm going to go with Nuggets Celtics. Um, hopefully. I mean, I know Mike coach Mike said that uh, he wouldn't play it, but it would be good to see it get some minutes during in Boston. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my game to watch is the game I'm about to go to now to go see my niece destroy some t- some 12 year olds, destroy some 11 year olds in her basketball game as they battle for playoff positioning that starts this coming weekend. I'll be at that game, too. That's going to be a must watch game of the weekend. So shout out to Emma. Go throw some elbows and hit some jumpers. That's what we're going to do. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash count the dings. Subscribe to the back to back podcast feed. We got an announcement on Tuesday. You're not going to want to miss. Of course, we got nerdish. She wrote on Thursday mailbag on Friday. And by the way, the mailbag has its own feed is only going to be on that feed starting pretty soon. You'll know why on Tuesday. So subscribe to that feed. Tell everybody you know about that feed to get the subscriptions on that one. Rate and review that podcast. Rate and review Black Opinions Matter Monday, which is on its own feed. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast. And of course, House of Strauss and Pack Your Knives. Thanks for waking up with us. Uh, thanks for eating your Vegemite. I don't know. It's terrible, terrible food here in Australia for the most part, but they like Vegemite. Uh, Trey, I need to sign off. Ding, ding. Ding, ding.